The Suffolk Journal podcast is the Suffolk Journal's official podcast. Things may have changed by the time you heard this episode. As COVID-19 closed academic institutions nationwide, including Suffolk University, disruption crept into the lives of practically everyone at the school, and a realization came to the Suffolk community that they were living through history. In this episode, we talk to members of the Suffolk University community that have been documenting the COVID-19 pandemic. This is the Suffolk Journal Podcast. This episode is part two of a two-part episode. Hello, journal readers, and welcome to part two of the first episode of the Suffolk Journal Podcast, which is on documenting the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, James Bartlett, and today I will talk to Michael Dello Iacono, of the Moakley Archive and Institute at Suffolk University on how the archive has been documenting the COVID-19 pandemic. Later, I'll talk to Suffolk Journal editor and Boston Globe correspondent Caroline Enos about how she's been covering and documenting the pandemic. Enjoy. So we're talking with Michael Del Iacono. Um, he is from the Moakley Archives at Suffolk University. Um, so Michael, what do you do at the archives? I'm the university records manager, so I manage the um, archiving and storing and uh, compliance with laws that we are responsible for when generating Suffolk University records. And then I also identify the things that are permanently valuable, add them to the archives, and help students do research using the materials. Okay. So when did you kind of recognize that this COVID-19 situation, pandemic, was something that the archives needed to start documenting? Um, I'd say, I mean, we're always looking to document whatever is happening and whatever is, you know, affecting the Suffolk community. But it wasn't until probably about mid to late March that we knew that this was going to be an extended period of time that we'd be home. And so we were kind of seeking out places to partner with people to kind of collect these things. And um, this project was brought to our attention by Pat Reeve and Katie Lasdow in the history department that heard about it from somebody in Northeastern. And um, there's, it's a pretty big project at this point. And I think there's probably 50 to 60 different institutions around the world that are wow. using this particular instance. So I think we chose the right one. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you've started asking for uh, things from the Suffolk community, right? What kind of things have you been asking for from them? Literally anything. So we have, I think, something like 110 entries in there right now, and they're a wide swath of, of different types of material. We've gotten journal entries, like personal journal entries, tons of photographs, social media posts. People put pictures of like um, empty supermarket shelves. But then there's also things like announcements from the Suffolk University, you know, administration documenting kind of step-by-step step what's happened and when. We have um, stuff from the city of Boston that is related to Suffolk that, you know, people have uploaded. We even have um, stuff of national and international importance, like articles about polling and how people feel about, you know, the upcoming elections and things like that. So it's a huge wide swath of stuff, but our goal was to try to make sure that we're getting all perspectives. Because I think if anybody's done archival research in the past, you often kind of have to search a lot 
more for things that are personal reflections, people's, you know, I don't know, personal journal entries and things like that, unless somebody consciously thinks to store those things and save them in perpetuity, they tend to get lost over time. So this is something that we really want to make sure that we're capturing the, you know, high level information, but also how it's affecting people at the separate community and even individually. So um, to answer your question, anything at all. Even as as podcasts. Offensive or weird or disgusting. Even podcasts? <laughs> Absolutely podcasts. Okay. Perfect. I actually put my personal podcast in there. I have one called Beverly Talks. It's about um, people in Beverly, Massachusetts, where I live. And I uploaded our coronavirus episode to there. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll have to give it a listen. Um, Please upload so, this. <laughs> um, so have you gotten a pretty good student response from this, from these requests? Absolutely. Yeah. The students, I think, are the, the, that's the number one type of submission that we got is stuff from students. Um, a lot of things from Suffolk Journal kind of documenting different announcements that are coming up and how it affects the community. But we've even got stuff from Madrid. Like there was one student who decided, I think, not to come back and, and decided to stay with her host family. And she put up videos of them doing Zumba together, and, you know, just kind of bonding with her, her host family. Um, I've done a lot of student stuff. So what do you plan to do with the students' uh, submissions? Well, that's something that we're starting to discuss right now. There's a huge potential for experiential learning opportunities to happen with this collection. We um, are talking to a couple of other history departments and other universities to try to see if there's any sort of, um, you know, consortial way we can create, you know, a course guide using this stuff. I mean, I'm not really 100% sure, but there's definitely going to be some sort of guide that comes out that shows people how they can incorporate this into their coursework, ways that students can use the, these materials to do independent research or to do, you know, a research project that's a little bit more broad. So we're not 100% sure how it's going to be used, but we're sure it is going to be used. <laughs> and I think the value of this stuff is going to change over time too. You know, we're going to probably be more interested in some of the individual points of view in a hundred years rather than, you know, trying to look back at how people felt two days after it's over or something mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, I don't know. The goal right so, now is to try to capture as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, so speaking of like going back 100 years, do you have any work in the archive from uh, like say the 1918 pan uh, flu pandemic? You know, that's something that we were looking for. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we decided to take such an effort to start to collect these things. Because like I said before, some of that stuff is lost over time, you know, and unless somebody thought to journal their thoughts about, you know, what they were going through during the pandemic, we, we just wouldn't have something like that. So we have some things that mention what was going on, but there are things like news clippings that would have been saved because they're part of the Boston Globe database now or something. Somebody thought to save those things. So no, unfortunately, there's not really much. Um, there could be some things that we have in paper format. We just haven't been able to access them because we're at home. <laughs> so no, nothing digital, but... So what would you like to know that though? Wouldn't you like to know what the yeah. shelves were like during the 1918 pandemic? 
I, I think definitely the would. way we're living now is is custom built for this type of thing. Like people are documenting everything that they're doing on social media. Mm. Yeah, it's just a matter of collecting them now. Um, so just speak to the importance of being able to document stuff in this day and age, uh, whether for personal use or for more professional uses like you guys at the Institute. Yeah, well, um, this is, to me, this is a defining moment in history. You know, we're going to be reflecting back on this for forever. It's going to be similar to the 1918 flu pandemic. You know, people reference this as a, as a moment in time that was important. Um, or not important, but impactful in some sort of way. So I think if students are interested in making sure that their personal perspective is preserved forever, it, this would be a perfect place to, to provide that kind of a thing. Um, it's also can be an outlet for people. You know, if you're wondering what other people are going through, it's a place that you can at least look through and, and read some of the experiences that might be very similar to you. Mm. Um, but, you know, after all of this is over and years and years from now, um, like I said before, we'll have a lot of information about not only like this kind of national high level government perspective and economic perspective, but we'll have the perspective of an individual person, how this affected them emotionally, how this affected people you know, economically at an individual level, but even at a, in a community level. We can kind of see similarities to how people are being affected in geographic locations. And some of the people that would be able to use this are people like historians and students, but also scientists, policymakers can look at this type of stuff and see which community was adversely affected and make sure that we kind of have, um, you know, things in place to prevent that if this were ever to come about again. Um, I'm thinking even, you know, public health experts and things like that would want to look at this type of thing. So I'm not really sure who specifically this is for, but it could be for anybody, depending on what you want to write about or what you want to discover. So before we go, how can uh, people submit to the Archive and Institute? Oh yeah, that'd be important <laughs> to tell. So. Um, maybe, I don't know if you can provide a link or something on, on a screen or anything like that, but it's a simple website called covid19.omeka.net. No spaces or anything, so covid19.omeka.net. And there's a link there that says share your story. And it's pretty simple. There's, um, you know, some fields you can put in JPEGs, videos, whatever you want. There's a space to leave your name. Um, and I would suggest if you want it to be part of the Suffolk collection to just say the name Suffolk University somewhere in the submission so we'll be able to find it later. But yeah, I think, um, you know, this is going to be something that is definitely useful. So if you want to be part of history in the making and you want your name to last forever and your story to be researched and cited and, you know, used by everybody in the future, please submit. Okay, thank you, Michael Deliacono from the Moakley Archive and Institute. Welcome, thank you for having me. So, Caroline Enos is the incoming Suffolk Journal editor and is currently working in the co op program at the Boston Globe. Caroline, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good.
So uh, let's get right into it. When did you start to decide to document the pandemic? So when we all first got the notification that we weren't going to be on campus for the rest of the semester, obviously, our first reaction was just like, this is awful. Like, we wish we could be there. We're so sad that we're not going to be able to finish out this year with our um, senior editors. But in that week, myself and some other of the under some other underclassmen on the staff, along with you know the current um, editors at the time, we decided we really wanted to jump in and just make sure that we got you know all the breaking news about stuff like with this pandemic. Make sure we get that on our homepage, on our social media. Um, but we also wanted to make sure that we had you know good coverage about the pandemic from Suffolk, so that when we go back and look at our portfolios, as you know journalists down the line or if we just want to look back on our time at Suffolk and we want we wanted to be able to see those types of stories and that make sure that we stepped up and covered this pandemic when we needed to because it's important that you know these students got this information um and in terms of kind of what we were trying to do with our coverage I mean we were trying to tell stories of people who um have been affected by this pandemic whether that be students um, frontline workers. Right now, we mostly just have like kind of hard news about the the pandemic. Um, we've like been every time there's an update, we've just been writing a quick story about it, just making sure people know the facts. But moving forward, we're really trying to um, kind of capture what the perspective of you know people at Suffolk is during this this difficult time, and we want to make sure that people, when they look back at Suffolk, they actually do have a piece of history related to this whole pandemic um, and. You know, the journals will be part of that. Obviously, the archives is doing a lot. They have a really cool project going on. Um, classes have been doing assignments related to this. But again, we want to make sure that since we are a publication and we can kind of, you know, be our own source of history just in our reporting that, you know, we get to be a part of this through that. And you've actually contributed to the archival project, right? Is that correct? Yes, yep, we have. Um, our managing editor, Emily Devlin, love her. <laughs> um, she's been submitting pretty much all of our uh, COVID-19 related um, stories to that project. I think, I'm trying to think of the number of stories we've done and that's about COVID-19, I mean, upwards of 20 at this point, um, probably maybe more um, around there. But um, yeah, so we, we've submitted pieces that are just, you know, updates on what the university's doing during this whole pandemic. Um, you know, images of people moving out of dorms when they had to leave because of the pandemic. Um, we had some reporters go out and take pictures of that, which is really interesting. Um, we've posted stories or submitted stories that um, remind people to, you know, not forget disadvantaged or oppressed people during this pandemic that might suffer further because of it. Um, that was one opinion piece by our current or I guess new news editor, um, Ma Weber. And so, again, we wanted to submit those pieces to the archives to make sure that Suffolk is represented in this period of history, because there is a lot of interesting stories that is coming out of this. And I know this afternoon or this evening, um, I'm going to try to submit one piece that we did. It's um, a farewell to our senior staff, because we had like a big plan for, you know, like an end of the year celebration, a send off for them since we've all gotten so close to them. And they've done a really great job with the paper. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we get that piece that we wrote, which, you know, said thank you to them, describe what they're doing next, describe their accomplishments at Suffolk and, you know, why they're so special to us in the paper. Um, we wanted to make sure that that gets into the archives because in this project, because 
it really does kind of go along with that theme of capturing the perspective and the student experience during this time period at Suffolk. What sort of challenges have uh, come along with covering news at a time like this? It's really hard because we really have to rely, I guess the best way to put it is that we can't go and get the stories ourselves as much in terms of like in person. Like if something happens, we can't just go pop into someone's office and ask them a question or, you know, we can't go and meet up over a cup of coffee to interview a source about what they're going through. Like we really have to rely on technology and, you know, people are in different time zones. People are going through things emotionally. So it's hard. You, you don't want to step on their feet too much if you're trying to interview them about something related to this that might, you know, make it more emotional for them. Um, but in terms of us being a student paper, it's hard. It was really hard because, you know, when we went online, it was so sudden. And since at least half of our staff, I would say, were graduating seniors, like that was such a devastating thing for them to, to miss the end of that of their college experience and then just had that happen so out of the blue. So we really had to, you know, step up as underclassmen to make sure that, you know, we could pick up wherever they couldn't at the moment, not because they weren't, you know, interested in it. Like they did do some really great reporting through it, but we had to make sure that our staff was stepping up when other members of our staff were really struggling or just, you know, trying to figure out what to do next in terms of school, in terms of, you know, what's coming for them next in life. Um, so just trying to make sure that we all stay motivated and dedicated to this, even though there's so much that is stressing us out and, you know, is, is just difficult to overcome um, in terms of weird assignments that we're getting. I know some professors, like, even though they were online, they started assigning way more work. And some of our reporters, you would think that they'd have more time to do reporting, but then couldn't because they had extra work or you know, you, we also have to be mindful that some of our reporters, um, like you, you have an essential job, you work at a supermarket. We want to make sure that, you know, people are, are able to write, but then you don't want to add extra stress to their life when they don't need it. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's been like the biggest thing that we've been trying to overcome and also just consider as we, as we do this reporting. So you've been covering documentation um, through the archives for the Globe, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm actually working on that story right now. Um, so what what have you learned um, through that work? So I'm still kind of in the interviewing stages. I've talked to, I think, maybe five or six or seven universities in Boston, um, archives at those universities. And th what I've seen is that they all, when this, you know, whole pandemic hit, they all stepped up and said, okay, you know, it's really important that we have um, primary sources from students and staff and faculty of this horrible time because this is again unprecedented the last major pandemic we had and even then it's not probably as bad as what we're going through now was the um, 1918 Spanish flu and that you know tore through parts of Boston and that really wreaked havoc but this whole period as these archivists found um, is really unique um, I talked to one archivist at Harvard uh, yesterday, actually, and she had some really interesting things to say that I think applies to every university. Um, so when this whole thing started to hit, they went back and they started to research, you know, what was Harvard doing during 1918? Um, what kind of documentation do they have of that time period from their students and staff? And they said that it was a really unique thing because usually as archives, you know, 
tend to do. They, they really get formal documents or official documents or things that are, you know, they're interesting and they're historical and they're important, but they're not always personal. And so they said that at Harvard, what they found when they looked back at 1918 is that they started to get a lot of, or at the time period, they collected a lot of really personal documents and really personal experiences from people at the university. And they said that is a parallel today because this is, that's what's happening now. Instead of getting, you know, a bunch of academic works and papers and research like that, which is again, all interesting. They're really getting emotional um, stories that are really telling of what are people, what people are going through right now. Um, I talked to some archivists that said that they received works that were people reflecting on the loss of loved ones during this. And one student, they were part of an art project at the, at the university, I think it was Harvard. And it was like this big, um, big mural that they were doing. Uh, like they would make pictures that would go in um, windows of this building that people could see if they're walking by. And one of the pictures that they made was one, it, it honored their friend who had just died of COVID. So people are getting really, really great responses at these archives from students and staff and faculty and even alumni, um, just of what's going on both here in Boston and just, you know, in their lives. And that's been really imp important for them. Um, the archivists that I talked to, they said that what they plan to do with this stuff is to um, use it as a learning tool in the future. Some are, go are going to incorporate them into um, classes in the fall or in the, down the line. And it's just a really good tool for them to be able to look back and see what happened to these students who suddenly were thrown home <laughs> or weren't able to graduate or didn't get to finish up, you know, one last important meeting or, or, or project um, and, and this way that they can kind of, you know, show what the struggle was for these people who, I mean, they definitely, you know, people are thinking of students right now, especially those who aren't able to go to their commencement ceremonies or proms or anything like that. Um, but it really reminds people that there's a lot of loss even in little ways. Um, I know one archivist at Emerson said that there was one senior student who had um, been studying at their LA campus and they were there this spring and they had to leave suddenly and they were a senior. So what they did was they, I, I believe it was a video that they created just explaining about how, how sad and how much of a loss that was to not be able to not only finish out that special experience of getting to study halfway across the country or I guess completely across the country, um, but also just what it was like to to have to, you know, deal with never seeing some of your friends again, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's like, the, that's the majority of what I've seen. And it's, it's all been really interesting. Now is the journal um, requesting or collecting any, anything from students, maybe for a project you guys are doing, or do you guys have any plans to do something in regards to the archives or releasing any Mm -hmm. uh, yes. material people submit to you guys? Um, so we haven't talked too much about that. I know we wanted to do like a, meet, a, a call out to see what people are, you know, going through in terms of this transition. And um, our world news editor, new world news editor, Mirat, he is over in Russia right now because, mm -hmm. you know, that's his home country. And he is hoping to, I think he's already started and he, he's going to do a video where he's going to talk to um international students about their concerns for the fall 
about, you know, all of the uncertainty that comes with being in another country and having to go to another country when the world is in such an uncertain time and it can be dangerous to go in another country if you, you know, I know there's concerns with accidentally getting the, the virus and then bringing it back and stuff like that. So yeah. he's trying to get the Suffolk international student um, perspective during that. But then I know we also want to um, reach out to people in Boston or in Massachusetts and, you know, just anyone that's a student at Suffolk and just see what their concerns are for the fall. You know, um, what do they hope to see in terms of, of how we're going to actually be learning? Do they hope it'll be online completely if there's, if they're worried about, you know, the pandemic or do they want to be in the classroom regardless of whatever, you know, is going on outside? Um, and then we also want to see too, what's this housing experience going to look like? Are people worried about finding housing? I mean, I'm a rising junior, so I'm not going to be on campus next year. I know I'm worried about it and not knowing if I need to look for an apartment right now or to wait or really anything with that. So we're trying to get that perspective, just this worry that people have that no one has the answers to, the, to their questions either. And just trying to gauge that kind of uncertainty and being able to put that out, which again is archiving in itself. I mean, journalism is making history like or, or I guess reporting history. You know, we, every story we do is its own historical document in the next 20, 30, 40, 100 years, whatever it may be. You know, like those are some of the best um, primary sources that, you know, historians had to look back to, to gauge the time period that they're trying to learn about. So again, like we really want to make sure that we're um, being able to record this history in an accurate and interesting way. And I think we definitely do want to do more call outs and asking people to contribute stuff. Oh, there's also one story that we're hoping to do. Um, it's about student artists and how they're getting through this pandemic through their art. Um, you know, whether that be that they're creating art just to cope and just to get their minds off of it, or they're expressing their worries or their feelings about this through their pieces and, you know, any kind of medium that they want to use. I, I don't know how far we are into that story. I know a lot of this is going to take a while just because we do have to go and find these students and we're not on campus to do that. Again, usually we would just walk up to someone and yep. just say, hey, can you talk to me about this? <laughs> but we can't. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing. What we're trying to do more of down the line is, is things like that, just to gauge what the student experience is. Okay. Thank you, Caroline Enos. Thanks. Michael Delo Yakino and Caroline Enos. Once again, you can submit to the archives at covid19.omeka.net. You can read Caroline's work for the globe at bostonglobe.com. The Suffolk Journal Podcast is produced and edited by me. Please subscribe to the Suffolk Journal Podcast. We are currently available on Anchor and Spotify. Please share with your friends and family and check out the amazing work done by our staff at thesuffolkjournal.com. Thank you. Thank you.